Hello and welcome to the Addicts Anonymous podcast. I'm your host, Jim Rochelles. Today is episode 266, and we're going to be interviewing Matthew. How are you doing today, Matthew? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Looks like you're outside enjoying nature. Yeah, in my backyard. So where are you from? Uh, right outside Ann Arbor, Michigan. Okay. You've been there all your life? No. Uh, I grew up here. Uh, lived down in South Florida for a while, but uh, relocated back up here. Been up here for about nine years. Okay. Yeah. All right. So let's let's get into your story a little bit. Tell me about your childhood and growing up. Start from the beginning. So childhood. Uh, wow. Uh, it was really good actually. Um, growing up, I was an only child. Uh. Growing up in Novi, Michigan, uh, parents, good jobs, kind of didn't really want for anything. If I wanted something and they said no, I went to grandma, grandpa and got it. Um, so it wasn't, uh, it was really a good childhood. No, no really, I would say traumas or anything crazy. Grew up in uh, just normal childhood. Uh, you know, graduated high school nothing pretty crazy it was normal where very well um very well childhood okay how'd you do in school you did well yeah i did i did well um i was an athlete so um i think once i got to high school and realized that i didn't really back then i didn't have to uh sort of say show up as much um I could still get good grades, and as long as I performed on the field, uh, things were kind of overlooked. So, um, it, uh, it, it, I got good grades. I, I kind of paid for it when I went to college. So, things things were a little different because I actually had to study and go to class. So, things were a little different. How was your social life growing up? Social life was awesome, man. Uh, I was that uh, I was that kid. I had friends that you know, you know, stereotype the burnouts, the jocks. You know, I kind of floated in between them all. Um, if there was ever a party or anything, you know, I would bounce around between the two, and I was kind of the peacemaker between everybody. Um, you know, hanging out. It, it was just with everybody. I, I didn't have an enemy. I, I, I fit in everywhere, you know, back then I, you know, we had mullets and hung out with our anarchy jean jackets and then flip of a switch, I would have a, a letterman's coat on and hanging out with the jocks. So it was, uh, it was a little bit different. You know, I, I just blended in everywhere. That's good. It's good to yeah. be a social creature like that. Oh yeah. It goes a long way in life too. Without a doubt. So what was your first exposure to any types of drugs or alcohol? Well, I mean, I grew up around it. Um, you know, my my grandparents lived down the road. And my parents on the weekends would always, you know, have euchre parties or. What parties? Euchre, card What's game. You? Oh, card game. Card okay. game. Yeah, I think it's only in the north. Um, kind of like spades in a way. 
Um, so I always grew up around alcohol. You know, I, it was, I, I made, made people drinks, you know, so I just grew up around it. It was always there. Um, you know, family members getting hammered or, uh, always on the weekends, uh, friends of aunts and uncles coming around and weekends were always a big party. So growing up at a very young age, I was always around it. It was, it was just normal. It was there. Um, so, you know, just seeing that, that exposure to me, it was just that that's what you did. You worked hard all week and then you let loose on the weekends. Yeah. Who was it? Was your your parents were drinking too, on the weekends? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody, everybody in my family drank on the weekends. Everybody, my parents, you know, my parents. Yeah, very rarely would I see them, you know, have a cocktail during the week, and if they did, it was maybe one. But I would, on the weekends, you know, it was, it was on. They were getting drunk. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I could. I mean, I I've seen everybody drunk. I mean, I saw my father drunk. I've seen my mother drunk. I've seen, um, everybody in my family drink. I mean, you know, I I I learned how to play poker at a very young age, because family members would want to want to keep their money in the pot. So I I I would, you know, being the only sober one at you know eleven twelve years old, I would I would carry their hand, carry their pot of money um playing their cards um because they would go pass out or whatever so um you know i i was exposed to it very young very young did you have any feelings about it at the time um that it was just normal that's just what you do you know it, it just that's you know, I, I guess looking back at it, I didn't really, I, I, I think I couldn't wait till I, I became the age where I was allowed to do that because it seemed fun and cool and, you know, everybody hung out in the kitchen and everybody just had a good time. You know, I mean, very rarely was there a fight or, a, you know, I can count on one hand how many times shit got crazy, so to say, or uh, there was never a DUI or, or at least it was never exposed to me. You know, there was never no real bad consequences from it. It was just people having fun on the weekend, you know? Um, so I think I, looking back, I, I think I just couldn't wait till I was of age to be able to, partake in the festivities when was the first time you ever tried anything um i think it was summer of eighth grade um yeah summer of eighth grade one of my we went on a case of beer a bunch of us and one of my friends worked at a party store and uh, got a case of beer, stole it or something. I don't remember. And we stashed it in the woods. And then we went back. 
to drink it that night. I remember it. It was, it was piss warm. Yeah, I was just thinking that. <laughs> piss warm. <clears throat> and I think, and I didn't like it. It was piss warm beer, but it was the fact that I was doing it that it made it cool. You know, being you know 13, 14 years old, um, that it was just like you know, shit. We're cool. We're drinking beer. We're about to be freshmen. You know. How did you feel the first time you drank anything? Um, relief, like uh, manhood, like I've. I've come, you know, I mean, I've had, you know, I used to make my, I used to make my grandparents their drinks. They used to buy half gallons of some kind of whiskey. And it was a, a glass that was full of ice and you'd fill it up to the top, about that one finger full of, below the top of whiskey. And then you'd go up to the, to the faucet and just go like, with water god knows what that did but uh that was their drink my whole life growing up so like you know i would like taste and i'd swirl it or something and i'd taste it but i think that first experience drinking those i think i had like two or three bush lights whatever it was um it was a feeling of like almost like i become a man type thing you know like this is it, you know, this is, this is what you do. Um, so I wouldn't say I didn't get that, like, you know, euphoria of, oh my God, this is the greatest thing. It was more of a circumstance thing. Like, you know, we're the cool kids now, you know, we're, we're drinking, you know, cause it tasted like shit. Did you get drunk? <clears throat> No, I don't think I did. I think I had a buzz. Um, I think it was just more and more people showed up and the beer was gone within like 45 minutes. And then we had no way of getting any more. So it was more, it was more of just a buzz feeling. And then, and then the next weekend it was on and it didn't stop after that. Yeah. So you said before when you took your first drink, one of the things you felt was relief. What, what relief from what? I think of the relief of just trying, just being able to enjoy it, being able to be a monk, be be accepted into um, the drinking world, so to say. Um, you know, like, even though I was hiding it from my parents or whatnot, I was still, it was like, I was a part of the club. Like, I, like, I'm a man now. Like, I've had a beer and, um, it was just relief that it, it got out of the way. And, you know, I think a few of us at that time were talking about it for the longest time and something always happened. We couldn't get it or, uh, you know, 
yeah, like we couldn't get it or just weekends and weekends would show up and there would be no booze. So when it finally happened, it was like a relief of, all right, we did it. Unfortunately, that time, once it happened, it was, it was on for the next four years of high school. It didn't stop. What, the drinking? Yeah, drinking, drugging. Didn't uh, didn't stop. So started in high school. You heard me use. <laughs> yeah, I was I was really big into drinking and and uh, drugging in high school. Uh, what kind of drugs? Uh, acid was was really big when I was in high school. Marijuana and beer. Those were the big three. You know, you heard about like the the harder drugs of cocaine and whatnot, but I don't think it like filtered out to my area as much yet. So, you know, all through high school, every weekend it was, it was on, it was um, just parties every weekend. It was, if it was bonfires in the woods, just somebody's house uh, didn't matter. We made a. It didn't matter where we were. We made a party of it, and it was there was always booze, there was always liquor, always beer, always marijuana, and that 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 was it. And it filtered even like into, you know, school weeks. You know, like during school. I mean, I remember times where get hammered on a Tuesday, and go to school on Wednesday. You know, just. Whatever came up. So it's progressing. <clears throat> oh, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, you start, you know, start getting labeled, you know, the partier or, you know, the, the kid who can drink more than anybody or, you know, I think at one point we, uh, we started a beer bong team. So, I don't know why, but back then we used to beer bong a lot. Who who could make the biggest bong out of a funnel and a tube? And I don't know why we did some of that shit, but uh, it was just accepted. It was, I mean, back then, I mean, we'd get pulled over and the cop would dump out our shit and tell us to go home. You know, um, it was just a different, different world back then. Yeah. So what do you think you uh, happened that you said to yourself you started maybe having a problem? When did you notice your usage go up? Well, I, I knew my usage went up early, like in high school. But um, I, I would say I didn't really know I had a problem <laughs> until probably after college or maybe yeah, like probably like 22, 23, I really started to know I had had a problem. But by then, you know, you start introducing other drugs and everything else. And uh, and then, then that's when it really started to get crazy. How so? 
Well, like missing work or uh, uh, just, you know, at one point I, I think it was, I forget what year it was, late 90s, I mean, I, I moved to South Florida and it's uh, it's very fast down there when you're a 20, 23, 22-year-old kid and uh, drugs are way cleaner and nicer <laughs> compared to way up north and uh, it just got out of control really quick. Um, I mean, drinking was every day, seven days a week. Doing drugs was seven days a week, every day. Uh, mostly cocaine. Um, you know, it was, it was way cheaper down there than it was up north, and it was just seemed like it was cleaner, and um, you could do a little bit and last you a long time, where up north you would do a lot wouldn't last at all um so you know i kind of made that move like all right shit's hitting the fan up north let's move to south florida things will be better you know that transitional move and it was just does doesn't just go away it follows you wherever you go so uh it just it just didn't stop down there it's just it's uh you know, bars that open at 2 a.m. And, and it's just the accessibility. Just, yeah, yeah. Wow. 20, yeah, yeah. What time do they stay open till? Uh, I think it's like 8 or 9 in the morning, maybe even 10 in the morning. So basically they have bars that they're called the after hours bars. And they it's like 20 bucks to get in. All you can drink, but you're already so fucked up because it's 2 o'clock in the morning. There's usually like a county sheriff at the front door. But it's just loaded with drugs and alcohol and craziness. And uh you know, working I, I worked in I worked in restaurants most of my life. And uh you know, it's just it's a cesspool of of just crazy. It's it's chaotic orchestrated chaos craziness. So it's uh You're just uh, at that point. I was just up nonstop and just trying to work, and it was just, it was just crazy. Just the the progression of the disease that had progressed into um, other drugs, and but alcohol was always always there. That was always that was always my first love. That was always my go to. That was always, you know. I remember showing up to parties where, you know, guys got some really good weed or whatever. And it wasn't my thing because I was that weird dude that when I mixed the two, I would be become sick. I would puke or whatever. So I would always just, you know, bring my beer and, you know, pint of schnapps or something. I keep in my coat. Um, Cause alcohol was always my, always my bride. It was, it was that, that was my, that was my drug of choice. Always. So what would you say came your lowest point in drinking? Like what was your, uh, 
I guess, spiraling out where you decided you needed to start changing things? First time, um, I think it was 2000 or 2001, 2000. Um, I transferred back up to Michigan for the company I was working for, the restaurant company. And um, one of the waitresses, we knew that, you know, it was, it was known. She didn't drink. She went to this thing called AA. And uh, I knew shit was getting crazy. I was, I just had my, I just had my son. Um, and after work, I would go to the bar. I'd lie, say I was still at work. And it was just. I would go by myself and just sit there or I would, uh, you know, sit in my car and just pound six beers or whatever. And I went up to her. I remember her name is Deidre. And I went up to her and I go, Hey, you go to those meetings, right? Where they talk about drinking. And she was like, yeah. Hey, hey. And I was like, you know, I got this friend and we're kind of worried about his drinking uh, do you know when and where they are? And she looked at me and she goes, I'll pick you up tomorrow at seven. And I was like, uh, no, no, no. This is for one of my friends. And she looked me straight in the eye and she goes, I'll pick you up tomorrow at seven. And I was just like, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and looking back on that, it's like everybody knew. You know, you know, I, you know, you think you hide it, you know, you think, you know, when you're doing a line in the cooler and no one knows, or, you know, you're drinking the box wine in, in the back hall of the kitchen because, you know, you need a little, you need a little, get that little edge off and you're in the middle of dinner service at 730 and there's that fucking box wine on the back line that you cook with and you're like, it's got alcohol on it, let's try it. Um, so as much as I thought that, you know, I was hiding everything and nobody knew anything, you know, this, this one waitress at work was just like, I'll pick you up at seven. So I went to my first AA meeting in 2000. It was crazy. It was nuts. It was a whole different, whole different world. Back then they, they would smoke at tables, um, it was the biggest meeting in Ann Arbor at the time. It was huge. I mean, it was like, let's say, 300 people at this meeting. Maybe even more, 500. I don't know. And I remember I sat at a table, and this guy said, and it came to me, and I said, my name's Matthew, and I don't know what I am. And this old timer looked at me and goes, well, if you're at this table, you're a fucking alcoholic. <laughs> and I was like, fuck you man who the fuck are you to tell me what i am and then it and then i stuck around for the meeting and i remember this guy saying something about that the ashtrays at the table were his higher power and one of the old timers stood up and grabbed this plastic ashtray in the middle of the table and he threw it on the ground and it shattered. And he goes, how's your fucking higher power now? That was the last meeting I went to for like 
years. Because I was like, this these fucking guys are crazy, man. These guys are nuts. Like, this is cray-cray. So, um, so I just stayed in the disease, and it was like, you know, didn't want to go back. What? So after that, you didn't stay sober? No. No. No, I, uh, No, no. I mean, I'm trying to think when I finally got sober. Um, so I think I, I think I went to rehab in 2001. I closed, I set it up to where I took my vacation and I checked into rehab. And then the day I got out of rehab, I went back to work. That didn't work out too well because um, they were like, you know, you need to stay longer. And I'm like, well, I can't. I got to go back to work. And I actually worked in a brewery. I was a chef of a brewery um, restaurant. And uh, so I was in and out. I stayed sober for like six months and then went back out and, you know, got sober again. Went back to rehab. Um bounced around from rehabs um you know just i would get like a year and then i'd go back out i would never finish what i started you know that deadly fourth step i would i would get to that point and i'd get stagnant or or i would get rid of my sponsor because he was fucking being just being a dick and making me do that fourth step so you know, the next 20 years was just in, out, in, out, life changes, life moves, changes, um, circumstances, year sober, six months sober, two months sober, a week sober, a day sober, just in and out, chaos, living in pure chaos for the next 20 some years. So tell us about how you got sober. It's a good one. <laughs> uh, so I was living in Milford and you know, I I ruined so many jobs, so many great jobs. Um high paying, traveling, doing whatever. Um, and it got to a point where, um, I think it was, it was November 1st, somewhere right around there, November 1st, I, uh, I was just driving around drinking all day. Just driving around every day. No one, I wouldn't listen to anybody. My daughter, my girlfriend, um, just doing my own thing, what I wanted. And I came home and my shit was packed. And but it was my house. I was like, how the fuck is my shit packed in my house? And 
my girlfriend and my daughter were like, you're out. Wait a minute, I pay the bills here. What do you mean I'm out? And so I everything I owned, I like just they they packed it for me in my Jeep. Or maybe they didn't. Maybe they put it in the garage and I packed it in my Jeep. And I went and got some like $40 hotel room. And it was just I think about a half gallon and just drank nonstop and went through all, you know, all the emotions. Poor me and da 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 all this shit. And one night I uh I started calling rehabs. And uh the first one that called me back was like, Yeah, we got a bed for you. I was like, All right. I'll be right there. And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. You're not driving. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll get you a plane ticket. So this whole time, I'm thinking I'm going to, like, South Florida to this hoity-toity rehab. And I landed in Pennsylvania. And this was my eighth rehab i think eighth or ninth rehab in 20 years and i had to stay and i finally i just shut the fuck up and i did everything they told me to do because 20 years of doing my own thing i just you know i would i would do little bit of what people say and then just do my own shit for like a little bit um and there was like 40 some of us in this in this men's relapse program and i was gonna lose everything i was gonna lose my kids i was gonna lose my girlfriend i was gonna lose i was gonna lose everything at the time you know um I thought I already lost my job. Um, and I remember the counselor saying, you know, out of 40 of you guys, like, you'd be lucky if, like, two or three of you stay sober. What the fuck? So, um, I think I was there, like, 40 days, and they are like, we want you to go to a halfway house or sober living. And I did. You ask anybody, I wasn't going. And I did. I lived with, I lived, I was like one of the oldest guys there. Lived in the sober house with a bunch of 20 something kids. Um, and I think I was the only alcoholic there. It was all math and um, other stuff. It was like shit. There's still alcoholics around. <laughs> I was like, yeah. And uh, I learned so much in this rehab. It was it was just a different, you know, being to so many rehabs. I've seen shitty rehabs. I've seen good rehabs. Um, and this one was good. Um, something just stuck, and I don't know what it is. I sometimes I, I sit and I think about, you know, what what was it? I think I finally just said. I give up. I'm just going to do what everybody tells me to do. Waving the white flag, surrender, acceptance. You know, 20 years of my own doing, look where it's got me. I got shit to show for it. I 
got a little money in my bank account, if any. Don't have a 401k. I've blown all that. Uh, and I just did what what they told me. Um, and, you know, I remember, I mean, it was brutal in there. I mean, like, family members had to write letters and shit. And it, it was brutal. Uh, it wasn't like any other rehab where it was, like, fun and games. Um I don't know if it was my age or what, but it finally just stuck. And, you know, I remember, you know, my daughter saying she wouldn't talk to me for a year. So I was sober a year. And I remember like talking to the counselors and, and they're like, don't worry about it. You know, you show her you're sober. She'll come around. Don't worry about it. They're right. I think it took like three months of showing her sobriety after I got out. So like five months of sobriety, she started slowly talking to me. Um, you know, um, there's just a, little, a lot of things that, you know, we've done, I've done, you know, in my past that are, you know, really unforgivable i you know in my depths of drinking i was it's a shitty fucking person i've done some shitty shitty things to people um but there is forgiveness and to this day i mean i, I wouldn't be where i'm at if it wasn't for forgiveness um you know i mean there's there's trust me there's a ton of trials in between there from DUIs to arrests to uh, cops and you know, mental institutions and uh, all kinds of debauchery of the last 20 years. But this last time was last time when I finally got sober. Um, you know, people ask me all the time, they're like, you know, what was it that did it? And I, I, it's like a, to me, it's like a switch. I just, I just surrendered. I accepted who I am. I'm an alcoholic. I can't drink. There's this, you know, I think it's like Robert Downey Jr. or somebody has got this quote where he's like, some like, I, I was thinking about having a drink on Saturday, but then I remembered I have plans for Christmas. And I totally get that. And I say this to people to this day when, you know, I'll be out with work or whatnot. And they're like, you know, oh, you don't drink. I'm like, no, don't drink. And they're like, why not? I'm like, I got plans for Christmas. You know, like, because could I go out and have a beer right now? Sure, probably could. By Saturday, you won't see me. I I'll either have lost my job, gotten a DUI, I will have stolen from somebody. So so sobriety has given me like just like life. Like and it's not all fucking unicorns and rainbows. Don't get me wrong. It's it's you know, there's hard times. There's shitty, shitty times in sobriety, but you get to you get to deal with them with the level head. 
And that's kind of what that last rehab taught me was just how to deal with things and in, in going on in life. And, you know, of 20 years of in and out of the program, I have never, I used to, I'll say this, all these cliches like in AA, you know, one day at a time and this too shall pass. 20 years, I thought they were like biggest fucking cliche jokes. And then once you get sober, those mean something now. Like, I'm like, wow, like one day at a time. No shit. It is one day at a time. Like, it's like one second at a time. It's like one minute at a time. So it's like, maybe I'm just a slow learner and it took fucking 20 years to, to string along you know, some consistent sobriety, but you know, that last, that last relapse before getting sober. I mean, that was, that was at the point to where he was drinking at seven, eight, it was drinking when I wake up, having a drink in the shower, make an excuse why I got to run somewhere for work so I could get a drink during work a few times a day, drinking at work, Drinking, drinking till it's gone or I pass out and then wash, rinse, repeat. Um, so, you know, that gift of sobriety, I don't take for granted because it can easily change tomorrow without a doubt. But then again, you know, I hear people all the time and they're like, well, I'm doing this for my daughter and I'm doing this, you know, to an extent, you know, old timers will tell you, you got to do it for yourself. And absolutely you do. I, I believe that hundred percent, but you can have like, to me, you can have other things, you know, did I get sobriety? Did I, did I get sobriety for myself? Sure. hundred percent. But I wanted a better way of life for the people around me because I wasn't doing them any favors. You know, I was causing chaos and craziness. Um, so at the end of the day, it's 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 about making your life better. You know, my life today is unbelievable compared to what it was. Is it phenomenal? Like great? Every day's awesome? No, fuck no. Shit happens. You know. I got a 23-year-old and a 20-year-old that, you know, think think dad's a fucking ATM machine. So it's not like it's not like everything's perfect, but it's a hell of a lot better than what it was, you know, almost three years ago. You know, it, the, the, for me, I, I'll say that this is one thing that I always tell people. The struggle to piece together a few dollars and the struggle in my brain of when and how I'm going to get my next drink was so bad that my worst day in sobriety beats that tenfold. Just that chaos of waking up in the morning going, okay, I got a meeting at 10. I got a fucking, I got two interviews I got to do for Wisconsin at, you know, noon, 
that mental strain of when I can fit my next fix was just pure insanity. And I don't have that anymore. And, you know, that's why I always tell, like, my brain doesn't stop. It's always going because it was so wired for so long of trying to get my next fix and how I'm going to do things that now it's like I got so much fucking time on my hands. You know, it doesn't know what to do. And I'm not struggling to figure shit out. Like you're in a good place right now. Yeah, I really am. I'm really in a good place. You know, things are good. Um, but do I have struggles every day? Absolutely, hundred percent. Um, I just don't have the. You know, where am I going to get my next boot? Where am I going to get my next fix? Where am I going to get? You know, and I'm at the point now, like you know, almost three years now, I can go to functions and I can go to um, family things, you know, looking back, like we talked earlier, I can, I, I just went to a family wedding and the number one drink at the family wedding was Heineken Zero because my <laughs> buddy like I was the first person in my family to go to rehab. And now I think there's like five of them that have gone to rehab. There's like three of them that are sober to this day. Um, and one of my aunt's daughters got married and literally the number one drink at the wedding was a non-alcoholic drink because my family who used to be partiers now, um, I don't know if I set the tone or what, but um, don't get me wrong. There's still people in my family that still drink, but it's just weird how, how life happens. That way. I'm glad you're doing so well. So yeah. getting towards the end here, it seems like you've had quite the journey of uh, addiction and recovery. Yeah, it's uh put me through the put me through the washer, man. It's uh but I looking back, I wouldn't have it any other way, you know. I mean it's been fun, it's been shitty, it's been um I mean I could probably go on for hours and hours of all the chaos that I've caused to myself and so many other people of different events in life and um it's uh I'm just glad now that I can, you know, talk to people and talk to you know one of the big things for me when I you know first got sober was talking to people that have been through it and have gone through it and in what are they doing? And that's when I say I shut up and I listened because It was those people that steered me in the right direction of sobriety and, and how to and what to do. So, you know, I don't have all the answers, but it's always nice to talk to people that are, you know, going through some struggles and maybe something I say can help them in some way. Take one little thing. I mean, I can sit here and tell you, 
there's people that I remember from like rehab number four that stuck out to me. You know, it is what it is, but uh, I'm just glad now that, you know, I can reach out to people and help them in some way. Good. That's good. Well, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast today. How do you feel? <clears throat> feel good. Feel good. Yeah. Probably gone for hours, man. <laughs> I know we've all got a story to tell us. A lot of us have done some crazy shit in our times. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. No, were you going to say something? Yeah, but, I mean, those are things, too. You know, we don't want to glorify and, you know, get knee-deep in the details of all the crazy shit we've done. We want to really look at and and talk to people about what we've done to get sober. Yeah. You know? All right, my friend, sit tight for a minute. I think it's a good place to wrap up. So for everybody watching and listening, if you like what you saw and heard, go below and give us a like. Also subscribe to see when we upload new videos. You can also check us out on all social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, Instagram, TikTok, you name it, we're on it. Um, also check out our website, which is www.addicts-anonymous.com. There's plenty of free resources as well as free literature available. And also Addicts Anonymous has a book out it's called Addicts Anonymous, Our Stories. I write on a collection of different topics. And there's also a collection of people's personal stories fighting addiction and their recovery. So you can check that out on Amazon and Kindle. Once again, it's called Addicts Anonymous, Our Stories. So that's all we have for today. I really hope you enjoyed watching and hopefully we can catch you next time.